Hey you, thanks for tuning in. This is part two of our episode with Katharina. And if you haven't listened to part one, stop right now. I mean, listen to what I'm saying first and then stop. So uh, go listen to part one first and then come back because uh, you're going to love it. That's why. I start by asking her what are the first steps that she takes when uh, approaching a new language. We took the example of Hindi as a case study here, and this is what she had to say. Well, at first, uh, I think even before getting started, I just want to talk, like, I just would talk to you about the language itself and, um, yeah, about the, its practicality, about where you speak it in India and um, how the culture is there like, that I really get a sense and really get maybe goals and then I would kind of um, why does that help I mean how does uh, that help be- in learning because uh, then I can link um, more things to the language because Hindi like I've, I've not really exp- like exp- I was not really exposed too much to it I'm, I've, I mean of course there is some Indian badminton players so I've talked to them and there's they speak like good mm-hmm. English but um, yeah, not really to the language. And I know it sounds good because I've, I've heard them speaking, but I think I would just kind of um, want to link my personality to the language. And if you say, for example, that um, the part of India where Hindi is spoken uh, is like beautiful, then I'm like, all right, okay, then I want to travel there. So there's already something, uh, you know, familiar. familiar. Hmm. So it gives you motivation yeah. to... Yeah. Uh... Learn the language. Okay. Okay. And maybe. Okay. You do yeah, maybe I will ask you, uh, like, to speak it for a few sentences, so I can just, um, you know, listen into it. How does it sound like? How, like, because you know, talking many languages, you also get to know many different alf- alphabets, different characters, also. Mm-hmm. And, for example, the um, how the pronunciation, like, where the tongue lies in the mouth while you speak. Because there's, yeah, because yeah, yeah. in German, for example, there's no R, there's like R. And I would just kind of mm-hmm, see mm-hmm. which, um, yeah, which sound group Hindi is in. And after okay. that, I think I would just, um, you know, start with very, very basic grammar. And um, I don't usually sit down and, and study, but I think for the beginning, you really just need to like basic sentence structures, basic grammars, basic um, pronunciation, all of this, just to get the basics right. Like, uh, say, do you mean like subject, object, uh, no, verb? More, mm, uh, more like no? um, personal pronouns. I, you, he, she, it. More like okay. that. I don't, um, uh-huh. I'm not mm-hmm. like a subject, object, and all this. I, yeah, more like personal pronoun, pronouns. Or like um, very useful sentences as first, like very useful verbs. Um, and then kind of maybe the conjugation, if there is any um, conjugation like of the, of the present. And if I'm like comfortable conjugating it, also speaking it. And I think it's very important that you, what you learn, that you then able are, uh, that you then are able to really use it. So that's what I did in Spanish. And the first month, maybe I was just able to speak in the present tense. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, just really be able to conjugate it like um, without any problems, without um, having to think about it, it, it too much in your brain. And then I would kind of go to the past tenses if there are any in the future tenses um, after that. And 
I think that's just like if you study a bit of the basic grammar, then you just learn the language through then example sentences, which you may find in the internet or mm-hmm. to talking to people. Because yeah. I think the vocabulary then yeah. um, starts to come in slowly. Interesting. So you you start with um, uh, trying to develop a motivation for learning the language. Then you move on to uh, becoming acquainted with the sounds yeah. of the language. Uh, then you try to get a basic sense of the uh, sentence structure with pronouns, uh, basic mm-hmm. verbs, uh, just to get a feel of the grammar and syntax yeah. of the language. And uh, then what um, do you do? Yeah, and then I just practice it, speak it. Um, with Spanish, what I did, which allowed me to get fluent very fast, is um, yeah to have music and read the lyrics or to really talk to my, um, in, this, in, this, in this case, it's with my best friend, to really just force them to talk to me. Because, I mean, it's, like, it's your responsibility to learn the language. Like, if you have a native speaker around you and you just don't want to step out of your comfort zone, like, they cannot force you to talk their native language um, with you, right? Like, you need to ask them, like, can mm-hmm. you now switch to Spanish, please? So the same thing I would do with Hindi if I were to study it. I would, like, if it's more easier for, uh, is it, if it's more easy for us to talk English and you would always talk English to me, I would say, okay, please, can you now switch mm-hmm. to Hindi? Because, yeah, it's like my responsibility. So this, this is what, that is how I study languages. Like, to really be responsible about um, it and really try to get as much input as possible. Oh God, that is so true. You know, even if I would, even uh, when I would speak to my friends who were native Spanish speakers, even if I would talk to them in Spanish, they would respond to me in English. And like, why are you doing that? And they would just, oh, you know, when I talk to you, I just, without even thinking it, like by default, uh, English just comes out. That could be true uh, for some, but like, if you, I think, really talk to them just in Spanish, they will slowly then get used to, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. So you get a sense of basic verbs and then you start practicing with natives. Um, how do you how do you pick up what, how do you decide what um, words you want um, to learn? I think it's, uh, I think I just see how practical they are. Like if there's words in front of me, for, for instance, when I talk to you and I'm like, okay, Banu, give me, uh, good, good words, and you come up with the classroom, and I, I, okay, that's not practical for me. Like I don't really need to, to know this. So like it, I think it just um, releases some stress of my mind if I just know that I don't need to pick up on every vocabulary I hear. I just like need the practical mm-hmm. ones, and that's that's how I decide. Um, just I think about okay, is this useful for me? And if I have a practical vocabulary, a vocab in front of me, I just try to make example sentences and to see um, how I maybe could use it in my day-to-day life. For example, drinking. Of course, this is very practical. And on the spot, when I first get encountered with the vocab, I try to make example sentences out of of this word. For instance, I would say, okay, I drink water. That's the first example sentence. Or I'm so thirsty, please give me something to drink. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you start? So, when you encounter a word, if you feel like 
okay, this is going to be practical. Then you start to do drills around it. Is that is that yeah, how you go of. about it? Uh, because that's how. Okay, how do you encounter the word in the first um, place? Yeah, maybe through the resources I use, like yeah, WhatsApp or through talking to people. That's how I. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you're talking to people, if you come across a word that you don't understand already, then you feel like, okay, you know, this is something that has come up in conversation. And I feel like, because if it's not something that is practical, it would not come up in conversation organically or naturally, mm-hmm. I suppose. Is that is that how you um, go about it? Well, I mean, the same thing was in Mandarin for me. If I really heard um, vocab, that really was used often by the native speakers. I'm like, all right, hold on a second. Uh, what does that mean? And then I say the vocab to them, and they they're surely free to, yeah, to answer to answer me. And that's the thing. Um, if I heard it many times, I know okay, that one I need to learn because it's come up so many times that um, yeah, it's useful for me to know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Does it happen to you that when you've learned certain words or uh, certain ways of conjugating uh, or uh, certain uh, mm-hmm. things about a language that you've learned from a formal source or a, like a teacher maybe, and then you talk it to a native speaker and it feels unnatural to them because although it is, you know, you do see it in textbooks, but that's just okay. not how they talk. Yeah. Um, well, I do not stress too much over textbooks. So that's kind of my approach. So I didn't encounter it too much. But I know from experience that um, when people... And that's actually a great video I've seen just yesterday. Like expressions, textbooks uh, teach that natives would never. And um, yeah, I think that's a, what, a phenomenon that occurs, occurs very often. It was um, a Chinese video from okay. an Instagram page, Chilling Chinese. Okay. She's like very big. And she made a video about that. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because yeah. even with uh, with so this happened to me a lot with Hebrew because um, Hebrew is um, it's evolved very rapidly in the past few decades because of the sort of the political situation of the country. There's a lot of um, Jewish people from all over the world, so there are many people who are picking it up and. Um, uh, so there's a lot of uh, rules that get you know overlooked, and um, over time that's just b- becomes the new normal. And so when you talk to them in sort of a traditional grammar, they feel like nobody talks like that. Yeah, that's the thing. I think when you learn a language, you need to learn it how it's really spoken because like maybe textbooks are also like very old, or as you said, maybe um, the society just mm-hmm. changes too rapidly so like where's the sense in having a textbook if you can actually use it talking to people i'm i i'm always of this of this mentality and i don't get why people would prefer textbooks um but at the same time i would understand because some people are just too shy and um i think in language learning this could be a, a disadvantage to be shy because this is how you maybe can um, just mm-hmm. put your learning in a cage and you okay yeah uh, mm-hmm. something else that it, now tell me that if this is true for the languages that you have learned but also the languages that you know you've grown up with sometimes mm-hmm. there are um, some some differences significant differences um, in how a language is spoken 
um, across sort of the geography of you know the country. So maybe in the north it's spoken a certain way, along the coast it's spoken differently, etc. But also yeah. within the same geo- geographical region, uh, across uh, socio-economic divides. In India, at least, that is so true because it's it's almost like people are living in their own bubbles. So the subcultures are very different, and then language obviously evolves very uh, differently. And then over time, uh, what happens is that there's a huge gap. So if you talk to you know if you learn it one way, it's it's almost like uh, have, it's 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 almost like there's a gap when you talk to uh, a person who's not from that particular subculture. Yeah. That's that's so interesting that you say it because that's a phenomenon mm-hmm. that is in Italy, um, like very very um, dominant. Um, like <laughs> we often joke about this, and it's like also very very great because it's like part of the culture that the South is. They talk in a way that it's just nothing like the North, nothing, and. It's it's so interesting because sometimes like people from the south can argue not like people from north. Can, can you give me an example? So can you so say a sentence really... how you would say it or how people from yeah. the south would say it? You're from the north, right? Okay, yeah, I'm from the north. Um, yeah, so if, for the north, it's just they talk very. So say if you if you want to say I want to eat an apple, um, yeah, they... how would you say it? From the south, say it. Uh, okay. So um, the North would say it like, voglio mangiare una mela. We, okay. our bowels are kind of closed. But in the South, they, they talk so openly like, I cannot imitate it uh-huh. because my friend always makes fun of me. But I will try. <laughs> okay. Um, like, voglio mangiare una mela. Okay. So something like that. So it's, oh, it's very open and you can actually spot a, a person from... By their accents. And But I think within the north, so are there like certain subgroups? Because they're often, you know. Yeah, there, there surely are. Like you could, you know, the city Milan, it's a very big city. So you can actually, um, yeah, spot people who maybe are from Milan or maybe are from another region in, in the north. So it's like there's people who are so interested in, the, in Italian that just by um, listening to people, they can say where exactly they're from. So that's do you really feel that there's? Uh, do you feel that to be a challenge when you're learning a new language, when you're picking up sort of nuances or the little bells and whistles from one part of the language, and then? Yeah, um, I think it sometimes could be if you encounter natives that speak like a, a strange accent mm-hmm. or like a strange dialect mm-hmm. or anything in their language, but um, I think when, and that's I think is very important when people get I encounter language learners they should kind of uh, stick to the standard um way to talk to uh-huh. the, to the foreigners that's what uh-huh. and that's what i kind of try to uh, transmit when i talk to natives if they have kind of a dialect going on i kindly ask them to you know um speak the standard i think also if you learn a language in such a way that you don't need to translate it in your head it's like great Like because then you get real exposure mm-hmm. to the language itself. With Spanish, also it's spoken so widely, 
when i started uh, listening to songs S- south american songs i would not understand half of it because they would drop the s's the end of uh, the word uh, so for example buenos dias would become buenos dia and uh, gusta would become gusta mm-hmm. or para mm-hmm. would become this pa right so that was really overwhelming for me because i was like okay i learned the proper conjugation the proper way of saying things and then you're not saying half the things how am i supposed to make sense of that yeah. so uh, so in the second person for example right. when you say when you end it with an s right so for example uh, hablas or haces right uh so they so drop the s mm-hmm. which makes it sound like the third person yeah, so yeah. with that whole thing it can, it it was so confusing for me but when i started speaking it more i realized you know you feel a natural tendency to drop it yourself when you're speaking it and then then it started yeah. making more sense to me yeah i think that's like that's good that you say it because if you learn languages you just need to be open to for adapt to adapt and just be open minded to every change that can occur because not everything will be like perfectly yeah. schemed as the textbook but yeah you really need to be open to changes um <laughs> uh, well that was great that was really fun thank you for i think we'll wrap it up it was it was amazing i had so thank much fun doing this thank you so much All right, that was our episode with Katharina Fink. You can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at polycosas. Let us know what you think about the episode. Also follow Katharina at uh, I am Katharina Fink. I have put her handle in the description. And if you have made it all the way to the end of the episode, thank you so much. It means a lot to me. Keep tuning in, stay curious and stay safe.